following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Good morning. Uh, well, we're, um, we're wrapping up our mini-series, I guess you could call it, on uh, submission. Um, this week we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 5 through 9, and that's uh, page 979 in the Pew Bible, if that's helpful to you, and we'll have it up on the screen as well. Um, for the last few weeks, we have been, um, been focusing on the phrase, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, which is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And uh, Paul got very specific in his letter to the Ephesians, uh, dealing with the application of submission in the primary relationships uh, within the church family, uh, relationships between husbands and wives, between the parents and children. And now today we're going to look at masters and servants. Uh, Dave, you would have been a great object lesson uh, last week for um, parents and children and honoring our parents. And I praise the Lord for... Your continued honoring your mother and father by taking care of them and being an object lesson for the rest of us to learn from. So praise the Lord for that. So we're going to look at our text this morning and then we'll pray and get started. This Ephesians 6, start at verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and a trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with the good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality within. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, and that uh, you would give us discernment uh, to see uh, the truth you wish to apply to our lives this morning. We know that your word is truth, so we pray that you would sanctify in us in it. And we trust you with this work. We give you our hearts and our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't think we can get very far in this sermon this morning. Sorry, I can't read the word. Um, I don't think we can get very far this morning without dealing with the elephant in the room. Uh, and that's the concept of slavery. Uh, some of your translations don't use the word bond servants, but use the word slaves. I grew up using the New International Version of the Bible. Anybody here have that? All right, we'll pray for you and get your real version of the Bible. I'm just kidding. I'd, uh, if you are reading reading that out of the NIV this morning, the word bond servants that I read comes up for you as uh, slaves. And uh, some of you, some of the rest of you may also have a similar translation of the word. 
Now, uh, theologically speaking, uh, it has been established already that there are no castes in Christ. Uh, there are no class divisions. Uh, in the church, there is no caste system where you are a certain level of person and can't ever rise above that. Paul wrote in Galatians, the chapter 3, verses 27 and 28, He said, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As they say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Well, that doesn't change the fact that for Paul's original audience in Ephesus, Slavery was real, and it was a harsh reality. Scholars believe that there were over 6 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That's over half the population of the empire was a slave. Um, there's, uh, people were slaves either because they sold themselves because of their debts or their families because of their debts were taken as property, or they were captured in, in a war or something like that. Um, it's an unfortunate circumstance. What is interesting is that nowhere in the Bible is slavery directly condemned. There is no thou shalt not own slaves in the scripture. But the reality is that the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of freedom in Christ, in the Roman Empire, slowly and subtly overturned slavery in Rome and led to the fall of the empire itself. So when uh, we say that Paul was one of the most influential people in the world, that's not a joke. Because of Paul's work in the Roman Empire and preaching the gospel, the empire fell. The cruel oppression of the Roman Empire fell at the preaching of the gospel. And slavery fell with it at least there. There's no crusade. There was no war. There's no picket lines. Just the preaching of the gospel to every creature. Now, slavery in our day is still a very real and very evil reality. Human trafficking is a huge problem. And there are a number of organizations worldwide that are combating this problem. And they could use our prayer. However, I do not believe that this text this morning directly applies to this horrific condition today. So you're not going to hear me rail against slavery this morning. Because we are, well, not to make a pun, but we are slave to the text. So we're going to look at what the text says uh, and go with that. Um, so if it doesn't uh, apply to the horrific condition of slavery, uh, I believe it does in principle, however, apply to everyone who has a job. Um, I once discussed this text with a man who so bristled at the idea of being called a slave that he completely rejected any application of the principles found here in the text. I told him... <laughs> In, you know, in my very uh, compassionate way, um, you are a slave. There's nothing you can do about it. And he says, I'm self-employed. I'm a slave to no man. 
Nobody owned me. I worked for myself. Well, I said, stop showing up for work. See how it goes. <laughs> the truth is that all of us who work for money uh, voluntarily, albeit temporarily, sell ourselves. We sell our experience, our energy, and our talents eight to ten hours at a time. And if you don't want to think of yourself as a slave, even a temporary one, again, I challenge you, stop showing up for work and see how it goes. You'll be free, all right. <laughs> the truth is that here in our text, the Bible, the Lord, through his word, is telling us exactly how we can worship at work. Now, worship is not just going around singing songs and playing your guitar, right? Or playing whatever instrument and sing at the top of your lungs. There's a lot more to worship than that. So we're going to look at this again a little bit at a time. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from their hearts, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a bond servant or free. I don't remember reading that, but we did. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that we live in New England, despite the snow and the several hernias I now have for shoveling off my roof. <laughs> Virginia, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we live in New England because the first principle here that we can find for employees is do your job. That's a familiar phrase to some of us sports fans. Do your job. Verse 5 says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters. Now in the New Testament, you will find no division between the sacred and the secular as far as our work is concerned. Our task is all the same to preach the gospel to every creature. And this is the responsibility and calling of every follower of Christ, whether you're a pastor or the postman. This is your job, to preach the gospel to every creature. And the truth is that we gain a better footing to share the gospel by being good employees and doing our jobs well. Now, this isn't going to maybe feel very spiritual to you at all today. But it's an important lesson. We are to obey our earthly masters, our bosses, our managers, our customers, with fear and trembling. That does not mean terror. It means with respect, with great respect. Now, I wrote, uh, I wrote one thing, but I think maybe something else is true. Uh, not... Uh, I wasn't always a pastor. I wasn't always a preacher like this. Stand behind this pulpit. I spent a good part of my life as a carpenter and as a machinist. I've had a lot of different jobs and a lot of different bosses. Some were great. Some were 
real doozies. And I tell you that so that you don't think I'm just talking out of my hat, like I'd never had a real job before. Uh, I never had a boss who was a jerk. Um, I've had my fair share. But the heart of the boss is not the issue. It's the heart of the employee. It's your heart. We are to obey our bosses with respect and with a sincere heart as we would Christ. That's our instruction. This is a submission all over again. We submit to our bosses just like we would submit to the Lord. And I don't want to hurt your feelings. But if I do, I'm not sorry. What you accomplish at work is far less important than how you accomplish it. Doing our job with humility and respect, working as if we were working for Christ himself, when we work this way, it's much more important than whatever widget we're producing or whatever, whatever it is that we find ourselves doing. We must recognize that no matter who signs our paycheck, we work for the Lord. Look at verse 6. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from their hearts, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Now, here's a great, great instructions on how to worship while you work. The first is work hard. How hard is that? I think it's missing. Um, as the generations pass, we've talked about how parenting has changed. I think work ethic has changed a great deal as well. I can tell you stories. My grandfather worked as, a, as an engineer, a manager for... A, um, for lack of a better word, a factory that made toothpicks. And uh, he worked hard all day, 10 hours a day. And then when he came home, he was built a house until it was dark every night by himself. And then went home, had supper, go to bed, and get up at 4 or 5 the next morning and do it all again. Sun up to sundown, he worked. And my father didn't build a house, but he got up every morning at 3.30 and went to work, work his job for General Electric, work at the same bench, doing the same job for 38 years. Why you roll your eyes? That's hard work. That's work ethic. And it's honorable to the Lord. I never kept a job more than four years. Till now. We work hard, not as a way of eye service, meaning not just while the boss is working. Are you two different kinds of employees, one when the boss is there and one when he's not? We can't forget that we are working for the Lord. And just like every relationship we have, he is a third person in it. And he is a third person in the relationship you have with your employer. He's there. 
And when we work for the Lord, we work for Him. He is there. He doesn't go on a coffee break and turn His back on you so that you can lean on your mop for a while. He's always there. I don't say that to make you feel guilty. Maybe convict you. I don't know. Another great instruction on how to worship while you work. Don't be a suck-up. You hear me? Don't be a people-pleaser. Hypocrisy will not help our cause. We have to be the same all the time. Don't uh, say nice, uh, flattering things to the boss while he's there, and then he leaves, and you tear him apart to your fellow employees. That's not right. We don't work our jobs just to impress the boss and advance ourselves, get that raise or get that promotion. We work our jobs so that we can proclaim the gospel as bondservants of Christ. That's the point of you having your job. Do you know that? Working a job is so much more than just putting food on the table and money in the bank. If that's the end-all and be-all of working, that's really kind of sad. When you look back on your life, you can say, wow, look at all the stuff I produced. But what good is that when the Lord comes back and all this stuff gets burned up? Work for treasures that last, right? As bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, it says in verse 6, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Now this is exactly what Paul meant when he wrote back in chapter 5 and verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. How do you make best use of the time? Our jobs are our greatest mission field. Most of us will spend more hours working than we will even with our own families. And that's the truth. Sometimes we have to put things uh, on the back burner because we've got to work. We've got to travel. We've got to do hard things. We've got to put time in. But what we are doing is not just making money. What good is money anyway? Pay the bill, buy some bread. Working hard, being a good employee, because we want to honor the Lord and not just get a raise, will give us the best opportunities to share his love with those who we work with and work for. Now this doesn't mean just lean on your mop so you can preach the gospel to everybody that walks by but to work heartily. Work hard for the Lord and not for men. That our hard work will be a testimony. I don't know how anybody wants to listen to that slacker that's never doing his job. What do you care? What do things? When you look around at the other people that you work with, you know who I'm talking about. There's always that one person got his hands in his pocket or whatever, just shooting the breeze when he's supposed to be working while you're killing yourself to get the job done. Do you really care what that person has to say? 
Do you really want to know his opinion on eternal things? Uh, maybe that's just me. I don't see it that way. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters. Employees, obey your bosses with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. That means uh, the Greek word for single, a sincere heart is a single fold. It's be single-minded in your obedience to Christ at work. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from their heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bond servant or free. And we must remember, you all know, that our Father is sovereign and he has control, absolute control over all things. He gives us our life. Our breath, he keeps our atoms from flying apart and ourselves from uh, getting loose. But not only that, he appoints to each our tasks. He's the one that gave you that job, whatever it is or whatever it was. He's the one who hired you. Whether it's to represent him at the factory or the school or the hospital or the store or the office, it is in his hands to decide where and how that goes. And it is our task to be faithful, to work faithfully for him as Lord. So in this way, it doesn't matter what you're doing for a living, as long as you're living for the Lord while you're doing it. And we can be sure that whatever good we might do while working for him at whatever job he provides, we will receive back from him either in this life or the life to come. This is a promise from God. Remember, we talked about a promise about honoring your mother and father, that it would go well with you, and you live long in the land, and how through tireless exposition of the Greek text, we learn that is that will go well with you. That's what it means, and you will live long in the land. It's a blessing from the Lord, a promise from him, and you will receive it either in this life or the life to come. This is the same thing. Whatever good you do, the Lord will give back to you, whether it's in this life or the life to come. Well, now, uh, fortunately, the employees are not the only one that the Lord addresses here in the text. The bond servants are not the only ones that get instruction, fortunately. If anyone who belongs to the Lord has been given the responsibility of oversight of anyone else in their work, they too have a responsibility before the Lord. Employees submit to their bosses by being obedient, respectful, sincere, and hardworking, as if they were working for the Lord himself, and the bosses, or masters, are required to treat them in the same way. Look at verse 9. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Now, what makes a good boss? Let me ask you that. Anybody here ever had a good boss? I work for some really nice people. What makes them a good boss? I'm sure that we've all had good bosses and terrible bosses and some somewhere in between. 
But what makes a great boss? A great boss, this is my opinion, a great boss is someone who hears his employees or her employees. Right? Here's what they have to say. They listen to what they're saying and they help them in their work. Because what good is it to make an employee more miserable? I'm going to make your job harder so that you produce less. Your morale is low and the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> right? This is to be listened to, to be heard, to be held in your work, that's the kind of respect an employee craves, right? To be heard and appreciated. A great boss does not motivate with fear. The threat of discipline or losing one's job at every turn does not motivate anyone to work hard, motivates them to work scared. That's not the same. It only motivates them to work just enough to keep from getting fired or from ridden up or whatever. Now, in thinking about Paul's original audience, um, the masters in Paul's day, the slave owners, had the authority to kill their slaves if they so chose. Legally, they could do it. You, uh, you burnt the pancakes for breakfast? That's it. They had the authority to do that. It's completely legal. And while employers today don't necessarily hold the lives of their employees in their hands, uh, they certainly can affect an employee's life, not just while they're at work, but all the time. I once worked for a man that was so harsh and so threatening uh, to those of us who worked for him that it caused me great anxiety and stress. This was the doozy. He's the, the far end of my spectrum. Um, and I used to wake up in the middle of the night thinking that I'd miss the alarm and I'd get up and rush to get ready for work and start to go out the door and see the clock. That's like 11.30 at night when I'm supposed to be at work at 7 in the morning. Uh, and this happened over and over again. Uh, I didn't work for that guy much longer. Paul gives the masters this strong reminder of the reality of this life in verse 9 knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Now, this is not to, uh, not to say that uh, God is far removed and is in heaven. It's just to say your master, their master is the Lord. And don't think that uh, the size of your paycheck or the title that you carry on this earth is going to make any difference to him. Sometimes we need to be reminded who the boss really is. And no matter how elevated a, a person's position may be in this life, whether they were the CEO or a sanitation engineer, one day we'll all stand before the throne of judgment. And the one who is master of all will weigh in on all that we have done and how it treats people. As I already said, the ground is indeed level at the foot of the cross. So what's our takeaway? I think that no matter what we do, well, no matter what our job is, what we produce or what service we provide, we have to remember that we're really working for the Lord Jesus. That is he who has assigned our tasks. So we should do our best and work hard for him because we know that he will indeed reward us for our faithfulness. 
to him in our hard work. I used to really struggle thinking that the only way I could be effective with the Lord, for the Lord, was if I was in full-time ministry. That means have a job at a church someplace. And I was convinced there was no other way around it, that I couldn't do anything at work. And you know, I was in ministry, professional ministry, paid ministry, whatever you want to call it, for an awful long time before I had preached the gospel to as many people as I did when I was working in a machine shop. Now, I'm not going to quit working here so I can go back to the shop. (laughs) But I say that to encourage you that you don't need to be called reverend or pastor or missionary or whatever to be effective working for the Lord. You are called to the spot that you're in. God has put you there. It's not by accident. He's put you there to put you to work. So I pray that you're faithful to him right where you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've shown us that you care very much about the details of our lives. We thank you that you care about how we do our jobs, whatever it might be. And I pray, Lord, that this will serve as a reminder of the call that you've given to us to preach the gospel to every creature. That we would share the love of Christ in all that we say and do. And that through our work, we would testify that we belong to you. That we serve the Lord and not men. When people ask us, why you work so hard? Boss isn't watching. We can't tell him. My boss said, Lord Jesus, I work hard for him. Father, I pray that you would give us opportunity to share the love of Christ at work, in our jobs. Thank you for the relationships that you have helped us make in the jobs that we have or have had. Because that's where it's really at. We can share the gospel with those people. So I pray, Lord, you'd give us opportunities, give us the words that your Holy Spirit would move and that people would come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior, that their sins would be forgiven, they'd be cleansed and adopted into the family. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has not been adopted as your child, I pray that now they would ask for your forgiveness for their sin and they would accept you as their Savior and submit to you as their Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.